Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, offering quality live programming with holistic, spiritual, psychic, and metaphysical hosts. Welcome to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. Straight talk, enthusiastic support, and heartfelt encouragement for you to open up to your sacred sexuality. And now your host, Leslie Blackburn. so great to be exploring again today on this program where we are going to explore topics of sexuality, consciousness, um, sometimes some dark shadowy layers that often we don't feel safe to talk about or explore and that's why we're here. We will explore some meditations, discussion, education, and awareness on facets of, of these deep dark spaces and sometimes bright light spaces um, that we don't often get that chance to openly explore. And that what I mean by that is to be um, in the light. We also must see the shadow. We must dance in the spaces that aren't as bright or happy and not that we swim there um, in a sense of swirling into the abyss, but that it is a path through to unwind the layers that don't feel so good and tap into the resourcing that we can build and newly grow in our bodies to mm, open back into that light. There can be no light without darkness and vice versa. So as we explore today, I want to invite us once again as we do, to settle into our bodies, to join me in what's it like to begin to listen deeply to the body. And as we do, let's do that with the breath. Mm, I encourage you, wherever you are, seated, standing, lying down, to allow a breath. Ah, with an exhale with some sound. Give yourself permission to vibrate and make sound. Mm. Notice your body. Notice your breath. What's it feel like as you breathe? What parts of your body do you feel expand or contract? Maybe you notice temperature, like a coolness on the upper lip. And just notice, notice being here now in this moment. I'm noticing sunlight on my face. It's so beautiful. As I'm here in our new space in Ann Arbor and I'm facing the south out these exquisite windows and I get to see trees and sun. And I'm delighted in feeling the sun on my face on this really cool, crisp fall morning. I sat outside earlier to breathe and be. So noticing your body, your moment, what's your experience of being here within you 
and take a moment to just scan down through, as you notice, first of all, your pelvis, your pelvic bowl, pelvic floor. Make any adjustments you need to feel support. Noticing the way your pelvic floor and pelvic bowl relate in space. Ah, feel that support. And then take a moment to scan through to notice your midline and invite any micro-adjustments for space, length, ease, light, as you scan through the crown of your head, the centers of your brain, behind the eyes, the dome of the mouth, the throat, and the space behind the heart and the diaphragm, into the upper belly, the lower belly, pelvic bowl, womb space, creative center, sexual center, pelvic floor, sit bones, leg bones in the hip sockets, knees, lower legs and heel bones, soles of the feet, tips of each toe, allowing your root system from the pelvic floor and the soles of the feet to spiral down through the structures you're on, any spaces below that into the foundation and down into the soil of the earth. Maybe you're right outside on the earth. Your roots are direct connected into the soil. Allowing your roots to pass through the water table and down into the central core of the earth wrapping around the core. And then noticing and feeling the space around your body. Expand your awareness to notice the edge of your skin. Expand your awareness beyond that to notice the space around the edge of your skin. To maybe start to notice the relational space between you, the other things in the room, the other beings near you. Expanding your awareness wider, maybe beyond the out to the walls or the edge of the room that you're in. Maybe beyond that to feeling the space outside, the structure you're in, noticing and connecting with any creatures, animal, plant, human, and the beings of the unseen. Resting in the awareness as we explore today, we're going to be meeting this quite directly. What's it like to acknowledge the realm of the unseen. To support that, I want to invite in now calling in your bloodline ancestors, those well and kind. The ancestors, well and kind and vibrant and resourced who know this work. Ah, I invite you into the inner circle around our bodies. Feeling the support as you step into this inner circle, please, ancestors, support us in the healing of our bloodline ancestry. Help us to learn, see, and grow, and to heal for ourselves and each other and how we are interconnected on this planet. Supporting healing in our sexuality and in the unpacked racialized trauma that still resides in our bodies. Support us to unwind, to see, to unwind. 
with deep gratitude for these ancestors and for any guides that you choose to honor and to call in. And as you feel that, notice, notice what arises in your body with this invitation. And then an exhale with a little sound. Allow your eyes to open over the next breath or two to receive the light and to be here in this moment. We are exploring this very topic today, a topic that is likely edgy and uncomfortable for many of us, and that is What's it like or what to acknowledge how embodied racialized trauma impacts our sexuality and impacts our consciousness on this planet, even still today in, yes, 2019, where so many folks may think, wow, we're past that or we've we've somehow transcended layers of racial trauma and bigotry. And yet it shows up and we see it a lot, see it a lot very tangibly and physically. Um, and even when we think, oh, that's somebody else, that's somebody else that's being a bigot or that's somebody else that's doing some overt wrong, that the reality is all of us carry in our bodies and through our bloodlines, we still carry the impact of the racialized trauma that has happened on our planet and especially here in the West, in the U.S., especially in this colonized space that, that is carried for um, centuries. And yes, we're growing from it, and there's more to be done. And what I want to invite is the link back to, so today's topic is about this, what, how embodied racial trauma impacts our sexuality and how we can then through our acknowledgement of it and waking up to see it, also work with our bodies and our ancestors to support healing. Because we all work to do. And we all have different work to do. We all have different flavors. We are walking with different bloodline ancestral lineages. And so I'm not going to say in this program that I have all the answers because I don't. What I am going to say is I've started to really deeply do my own work with this. And so I'll just vulnerably put out there the inquiry that I've been, some of the vocabulary that I've been able to meet and learn. And I'm probably going to stumble around and say things that maybe don't land great for everyone. I've noticed this actually as I've been working with clients in sacred sexuality and bringing this topic up often because I'm often working with um, cisgendered white men. It's a, it's a common um, population of folks that I work with. I have a lot of respect for and care for. And even those who are waking up and uh, have a consciousness around shifting, there are sometimes ways in which something I'll say or bump up against um, lands lands in a different way, right? Lands with response, with anger, or with like, that can't possibly be, or that's not me. And 
I'll say it with myself, uh, my own journey, like, oh, when I really started to wake up to like, what does it mean to acknowledge that there still is racialized trauma in our bodies? Um, what I'll call whiteness, this concept of whiteness, it's really common that in myself, I did this too, um, in myself and others, and especially those who have never really resonated with the idea of bigotry or um, racial, you know, like, I'll say it this way. There's this, there's this end of the spectrum that's like KKK level bigotry that says, oh, there's this real um, racist point of view and harmful specific violent acts. And yeah, that's, that's a thing. And there's folks who think, well, I don't do that. I'm not bigoted or I'm, I don't sit in that box. So I'm not carrying it or I'm not part of the problem or I don't have any work to do around that. And what I want to invite is like, uh, let's pause and chew away some layers of ego. Um, I have been doing that and I'm sure I will have more to say it really still shows up and it's like shows up in these really subtle ways that are quite harmful still today. And this is not cool. And for us to change this, it really starts with our own work, our own human homework around how do we meet and change in our own bodies in our own layers of negative ego in our own layers of self that's identified with like we're unpacking old stories. We're unpacking stories from literally centuries and millennia that are woven into the very DNA of our, of our cellular structure. And, and, and again, it's different for different folks, the way we carry it. I believe, so me, as I, I identify, you know, I am a white person. I am part of the lineage. The, my personal bloodline lineage goes back through um, actually many, many generations are here on Turtle Island, so to speak, on this, this patch of land that we call North uh, uh, North America that we call politically the United States, this patch of land that was colonized many, many years ago by European settlers. I'm part of that European descent, descent. Um, mostly Scottish, English, German, um, areas of France that became Germany. Um, and I believe Irish, and I'm still kind of like picking around to find some of those details. But most of this for me is like literally um, the, you know, I've had many, 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 many generations of, of ancestors that were born here in the Midwest. So for me, I carry a lineage of, of folks that were part of an era of time when, if we go back far enough, we, we do like really serious damage to each other, like in England in the 1600s, where really horrifying things white folks did to white folks. And then we like carried that energy and that um, sort of power over dynamic into this idea of colonizing of like, let's move West. And, and, you know, with some compassion here, leaving horrific conditions to try to find a new way. Like we can see why this wanted to happen, but yet what we did is still carry, you know, if we're not doing the human homework to unpack these stories from our bodies, we're still carrying them. So this, even if 
we didn't like this idea of of public executions and hangings at the stake and public executions were not illegalized in England until the mid 1800s. That's just public executions. There were still executions happening, but they stopped doing it publicly in like 1863 or something like that around that, that year. That's super recent. Like, are we kidding? Like public executions. Anyway, we were doing horrific things. And then we carry that with us into the colonization, into the settling process on a new land. And of course, again, like with compassion, I can see how we're the, I'm imagining, you know, I don't know specifics of my bloodline stories on some of this. I'm still learning and just sitting with it. Um, but I'm imagining there was facets that said, Hey, we just, we need a better way. Let's, let's leave and start life new. So, and we celebrate that here in the U S right? Like, Hey, like hey, this, often is celebrated around finding this new way and pioneering and things like that. However, what happened was we brought that same dynamic of power over. And so rather than coming to a new place and finding and collaborating and creating right relationship with the beings that were already here, learning from them around the right ways with this land, we sort of trampled on it and took over. And, um, and this, this power over dynamic, this what I will call real wounded masculine energy, and just again to set the stage in my work, when I talk about masculine and feminine, I don't mean gender. This is not boy-girl. It's not man-woman. Um, it's not even a binary. Um, just this nature of what the, the way a masculine is very fiery and active and getting things done and planning and doing and the wounded masculine is a very aggressive power over kind of a dynamic. And we carried that here in the colonization process and said, we must destroy and take over, right. And claim things as, uh, as ours and create this thing called land ownership. And um, meanwhile, there are other beings with lineages. Um, and so um, it, that, so I, I call myself a white person, Right. White being um, this this white body. I'm going to use Resma Menachem's rough definition. So Resma Menachem has this great book called My Grandmother's Hands. And his work on acknowledging embodied racialized trauma and, and tools to unpack it have been super supportive on my journey and really resonant with work that was always already quite familiar to me. He just widened my awareness into the way in which the racialized piece was there. So I encourage checking out his work and he defines white bodies and black bodies and police bodies. He actually talks about also um, folks in public safety and the way each of these bodies carry different things. So when I'm talking about white bodies, I'm talking about this lineage like me that has this European colonization descendant um, ancestry. Then black bodies that he refers to are the ones that were carried through the uh, being oppressed, right? The ones brought over on ships, enslaved, forced to do work that they weren't in consent about. Um, And, and carrying that in the way that impacted their bodies and their families. And um, so, so I want to acknowledge and honor those with that lineage and that heritage that, they're meeting the types of things they're meeting on this planet are different. And that like when we try to pretend that there's not a difference, that that's actually just as harmful. 
um, that learning about and being with what's true and our own personal experiences is really supportive in the unwinding and the healing. We can't just hide it. And it's really common. I've heard people do it. And I, to be fair, kind of did this in the past myself. Um, like, oh, I don't see color or I, you know, I, it, it, everyone is, is important and beautiful. Right. And yes, that's true. But there is difference. There is a difference in the way we physically, literally carry this vibration through our bodies. And so what I want to bring into this show in particular around sexuality is how does that impact sexuality? And let's look at that for a moment, because this is the thing that um, it has bumped into some client sessions I've had. This idea that, that this very energy of power over another is the root of some of the sexual trauma that we've had also in our society, in our society and culture in the U.S. And so this comes back to the, uh, the idea of rape culture, um, this essence of demanding or power over another or, or forced, forced actions without consent this type of nature of even thinking and being that like someone owes you something or that there's a demand from someone sexually and creating this pushing type of culture that says no means try harder instead of no truly meaning no and not honoring each person and their decisions in each moment. This is the root of this is this same power over dynamic that's shown up, this wounded masculine energy that's been in our bodies for eons. So it, this very nature of whiteness, I'm just going to call it that, this white culture, white culture is steeped everywhere. It's, it's the thing that says, um, you know, we must power over another to get to the top of climbing a corporate ladder. It is the thing that says in our education systems, we must prove better than um, competition in sports. Um, the very, it's like the very threads by which we measure in the fact that we even measure each other, you know, like um, it's all rooted in this, what I would call racialized trauma in this colonization kind of mindset. And so we might say, well, wait, you know, black folk have succeeded in these systems, just like white folk have succeeded in these systems, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the very system, the very, the very structure that we're in is rooted in like white culture and if we and and it's it's kind of it's really interesting. So I invite as you as you start to hear this and are willing to hear it, what's it like to start to notice the world around you through that lens? Like, for example, I was I was standing at a checkout line, um, and there was a black woman ahead of me, and she sort of. She says, oh, you should go ahead of me. I'm just waiting for this thing. Um, 
that was needing the attention of the person behind the desk. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. Just wait. I'll wait, you know. And she just insisted, like, no, no, no. It's just this thing as if it weren't as important as me checking out. And, and I, I just kind of watched that. And, and um, at her insistence, I, I went and we checked out. And then I realized, and then I walked out to my car and, I, and she ended up walking out after me and got into her car. And I realized I really kind of let that happen. She really did have to wait then through me checking out for this a person to go do this thing that she needed. And she waited behind me to do that. And, and I, and I, you know, she might've said, Oh yeah, no, that was fine. Et cetera, et cetera. But it just made me think and it made me notice like, what was it in her that maybe felt she wasn't important enough to have, the the attention of this person behind her you know was this not conscious um it made me be curious and that's what i want to invite is slowing down and being curious and just taking different small actions um another way that i've noticed is speed like i'll try to race through like i'm walking and, and someone's walking towards me and oh let me hurry up and get out of your way well what about if i just stop and make space rather than hurry up and get out of your way or, you know, and cross your path. Like I can stop and make space and be patient and listen. There's, so there's just different qualities of things that I feel like get brought up as day to day um, that are, that are much more subtle than the big picture thing of big, bigoted racial stuff like kkk level racial um racist actions so those are still a thing and a problem but i'm i'm inviting like we all can make a shift and as we do all make this shift it's supporting the whole field to shift but it has a lot to do with the way our bodies actually respond when we're around each other and this was this was a huge aha moment for me. And, and again, Resma Menachem's book supports learning more about this for those of you interested. And, and I really encourage you, um, especially fellow white folk, like we got work to do. Um, and, and it's not black folks responsibility to do that work for us or to um, educate us about it. And I think it shows up a lot that we seek that. Like, I want to do good or be good or be right. And so we lean on trying to ask some being with black skin to sort of represent all of black bodies. And they don't. (laughs) Just like we don't represent all of white bodies. And like, can we do our own relating and learning? And that's that. So that's the quest that I'm inviting us into. And that I'm putting out there vulnerably that I'm in and I'm willing to have conversations around. And I've already been meeting many of you in that and I welcome more and guess what we're going to bump into crunchy stuff that we don't want to see and that that's okay if as long as we're willing to see that that's rising up and that's part of what's holding us back maybe in the moment so this really embodied racialized trauma it does impact our sexuality it impacts the power dynamic of how we meet and relate with other humans it impacts the power dynamic of how we meet and relate with the planet and nature and the world. And I believe there's a way through this. And one of the core pieces is listening to our body. And one of the other core pieces is opening to be aware of and work with our ancestral lines. 
And that's what I want to talk a little bit more about after this short break. You are listening live to Body, Mind, Spirit Radio. Today is Tuesday, October 15th, 2019, and you are listening to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. If you would like to talk with Leslie live on the air, give us a call at 646-378-0378. That number again is 646-378-0378. And now back to your host, Leslie Blackburn. my love. Ah. So exploring how embodied racial trauma impacts our sexuality and then what's it like to listen to our bodies as a path of unpacking in conjunction with meeting our ancestral lineage. So I think one of the, the big ways of moving through this is actually remembering who we are. And remembering who we are has a lot of flavors to it. Certainly in my path it has. I remember having my grandmother come to me after her death. And it was the first time I actually connected with her. Like her whole life, um, I, I don't think I let myself like actually connect with her. Frankly, there were facets of her and the world that she lived in that I really rejected. Um, I thought were backwards or not good enough. Um, and I have some sadness as I even say that. I can feel it trembling in my throat. And it's true. And also she was of my family, of my biological family at the time, the ones I knew, probably the most spiritual. Um, for her, that meant Jesus. For her, that meant a Christian church. For her, that meant playing the upright piano and singing gospel. And I resisted it. I didn't like the songs. I um, didn't like all the talk about Jesus. I, I really was in a place in my spiritual path around rejecting Christianity. And um, what has happened much, much later since was a reconnection with my spirituality and a deep clarity of spirituality being a huge part of my path. Um, And even a new relationship with Jesus that came from a way of, um, this is another story altogether, but it just came through a really intriguing direct download way um, so that, you know, the spirituality I honor and offer, as many of you know, is really about going deeply within and connecting with, yourself and nature and the world around you and the unseen directly that you don't have to go through somebody else to get to God or source or universe. Um, that said, guides are really supportive. We don't have to do everything ourselves. So it's kind of interesting to watch as my journey of letting people in and letting beings in has opened. But the point with ancestors here was my grandmother came to me a couple years after her death and really guided um, this essence of you've got to find your roots. 
And it started with um, a lot of genealogical research. Like, okay, well, let's find my roots. And so it was genealogical research from my head. Um, kind of the, and, and what's interesting about genealogical research is this sort of whiteness in it. <laughs> in other words, the system of recording is so patriarchal. It's so um, dependent on father lines and it doesn't really have a lot of thread through matrilineage in terms of the way a lot of our systems record, you know, and it's all, and it's super binary. My God, gender binary to the max. Like any of the tools you use, you have to gender people and you have to partner people in gendered buckets. And it's just crazy. But at the time, you know, I did what I could. I, I mapped all that out um, quite extensively. Um, and I, but I was like, I don't know, that still wasn't it. And, and in the process, at the same time I was doing that sort of in 3D world um, on paper and in my head, I was also dancing and moving and breathing and praying and really meeting the direct downloads from my grandmother. And my grandmother reminded me actually that when she was alive, she told me that um, you are one-eighth Native American. And it was, wasn't until after her death that she reminded me of this, but I do remember it from when I was young. And I'm so curious why I never asked a question about that. Like she just told me and that was it. And so then I start to ask my dad and he's like, well, that does sound familiar, but I don't know, you know, and we, no one ever looked into it while she was alive. No one asked the questions. No one dug into that. And so I, for a while, the quest of finding my roots became this journey of, I have to go find out what that is. How am I connected to Native American? Because that's my roots, you know? And so I spent many, many years in that inquiry and tapping into teachers and incredible um, lineages of learning um, deep wisdom through this connection. And yet the reality was none of that had come from my actual upbringing. Like I was seeking it now after her death. And it was great. Don't get me wrong. My connection into Native American shamanism and Eastern traditions and many things bloomed open and gave me the support and the resourcing to really connect with directly connect with the realm of the other. And so the tools and the practices of those teachings became important and now over the past year even have started to drop away to the awareness and the realization that these tools and practices are in me. How can I meet what is true and that now the remembering my roots and remembering who, my, who I am is becoming much more connected in ancestral guidance through bloodline lineage. Um, I'm still curious about this particular facet of my bloodline, and yet it's less of a focus. Um, I'm realizing I can't reject the other facets of my bloodlines, the ones that did come through as European colonizers, and I've got to actually learn from and heal those connections. And here's the key to me. This came through an awareness with Daniel Four's work. That if we go back far enough, all of us, no matter our bloodline lineage, 
no matter how much we've wanted to disconnect from our known families, no matter how much we pull away, if we go back far enough, we all have ancestors that are well and kind, vibrant and resourced, that know this work, this path, that know right relationship with the planet, that literally were in connection with Earth and remembered how we were interconnected. Not only remembered, but operated in that realm. Danced the journey of the oneness and the interconnection. We all have that. For many of us, we have to go back many, 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 many generations and hundreds, even thousands of years to get to it. But we can. And what we can do is tap into those ancestors. Tap into isn't the right word, but ask for their support. Listen, call them in and say, yes, I humbly submit to inviting you into my world. And I really, and see, and I feel it, I just tremble again. To me, has been a huge part of my path, and especially this past few months with the stuff we've been meeting, to go, ancestors, could you guide me to how I can be best of service? I know I'm being called to do work here. And what does that look like, and where am I meant to serve? And listen, and do the homework homework that shows up because sometimes it is not easy and it's crunchy and it's really freaking uncomfortable, but it is possible and it is real. And when we do that work, the way opens. So making a relationship with your bloodline ancestors to me is the link. We can't ignore where we came from anymore, but we can heal the way that we impacted the planet and each other. I believe that's the work we have to do. And I believe many people have been doing it already for a long time. And I believe and I see that many black folk have known this for a long time and have rested in and called upon the way they can bring that forward much, much. Bring the songs and the stories of their lines in and I see that many of us white folks have forgotten those stories and those songs and have forgotten our links and we take on others we take on other others because it helps us feel better and that's not bad it's just what I call yes and that builds a resourcing because now yes and with that resourcing we can also heal And we have to. We hold the keys to unlocking this. And until we're willing to see and and really go into that work, like, whew, we're going to continue to swim in the stories of what we're seeing, unfortunately, in our society. But it is changing. It is changing. And we are continuing to change it. And we have that capacity to change it. And it comes from this connection. And like I said at the beginning of this program, I do not have all the answers. This is an invitation. It's an inquiry. You know, I may have something different to say about it in two days, in next month or next year. But right now, what I know to be the truth for me is that this connection and daily relationship with calling in and meeting my ancestors. And frankly, 
I don't know. I don't even know their names. I don't know who they are. It's not like I'm, you know, my grandmother sort of supported me in this, and I do know her name, Winifred, and I can speak her and call her in. She's, you know, and she was someone I walked with and knew in this lifetime. She, she died while I was alive. But the ones that I'm talking about, and so, and there are others that I knew and walked with that don't resonate as strongly right now to really have a close relationship with, although I welcome it when the time's right. Like, I'm not, I'm not resistant to it. It's just that there are some, as Daniel Four puts it, not all the dead are equally well. And so we shouldn't just assume that as soon as a person that was behaving really badly on the planet dies, that, that, that they're amazing. They still have their own healing to do. And what we do then as embodied beings, as a being right now that's walking on this planet, we have the gift of being able to do the soul level transformational homework that is no longer possible when we're not in a body. As one of my other shamanic teachers, Kenneth Ray Stubbs says, like, we can only grow when we're incarnate. So we have a gift being in a body and being on this lifetime to do this work. Ancestors want us to do this work and will support us. And all we have to do is ask because when we put the call out and say, please help me help you, they're like, yes, the more we can heal, right? The more we do the work we do right now in this lifetime, it heals backwards in our ancestry. It heals forwards in our descendant lineage of those beings, you know, that will come after us. My daughter and her, her descendants at some point. And also just the collective, even if we don't have a physical biological child, we're still impacting our future through the people we relate with. So the work we're doing goes backwards and forwards and it's not linear and it's not space time in general are not laid out in a chronological linear map. It's very different. And I, to put words around it is a little awkward. I'm just saying what I know. Um, so doing this work in this path, it's a journey. It's a life path. It's a commitment. It's a, I'm going to do my best to see and call in the support. And the ancestors then, like I said, when we, we call them in and ask for support and we do this work and they, they, they sort of offer back. And this gets to a piece of it is, um, that I was just doing, I think. A piece of it is grieving. So I want to bring this piece because how does racial trauma and sexuality and ancestors and grief, what the heck do they all have to do with each other? A ton. And what, why are we talking about this now? Because right now, so I'm going to come back to grief, but I also want to come back to the inspiration of why now. We are here in mid-October and we're right at the cusp of heading into a time on the earth where we're midpoint between autumnal equinox and winter solstice in the northern hemisphere anyway. And we're at the midpoint of the, the other two in the southern hemisphere. But we're still at a midpoint. And it's where the day and night 
well, I'm not going to get into that specifically. What happens is we're in this time, it's sort of the thinning of the veils. <clears throat> That's what I know it to be. And it's a time called Sawen. We know it as Halloween often. Um, and it's, it's a time of the thinning of the veils. It's when our connection to the realm of the other becomes way more available. So if there's any time to start to pick up a practice of connecting with your ancestors, now is it. And I'm getting tingles as I say this all the way down my back and the sides of my spine and across my forehead and down my cheeks. Now is the time to start to make this relationship if you aren't already. Now is the time to be reminded of it. I'm, I'm deeply reminding myself, too, because I need that just as much as I'm offering it. Like, okay, let's make sure you remember. Because as we now have been, we've gone through a huge transition that's impacted my body drastically on a move from Dearborn into Ann Arbor. The land called me here, invited me here, and we are so grateful to be now stewards of sweet space in nature with trails and with trees and with beings that I still am getting to know how best to support and love as they are offering their support and love. But I am here to be in service with them. It's part of why I'm here. And so in this time of the thinning of the veils, what I'm reminding myself is really meeting that awareness of the unseen here because they are here. Oh my goodness. I have never felt so much um, rallying support around me and I'm so grateful and just humbled by it. Just absolutely humbled by it. So in this time of the thinning of the veils, this is, this is why I'm putting this call out. This is why this invitation's here. And I am challenging you. And it is not easy, especially white folks. If you feel like this is not for you, like if you're listening, you probably tuned out at the beginning of this program if this is the case. If you were listening and went, oh, you know, I'm not racist. This isn't for me. Um, sit with me for a minute and just feel. You can have the best intentions and still have work to do, and that's not bad. So back to grief. Part of our work is feeling, and part of that work is grieving. And when we grieve, when we grieve for the times, oh, when we grieve for the times on this planet that we've done so much harm to each other the times right now we're doing harm to each other and grieve for the collective we can grieve for things in our body um we can grieve for things that we had and lost grief arises from many many different ways and my teacher i i tapped into powerful practice of grief ritual um a year and a half or so ago and have been a part of a couple of them and, and had the deep honor of co-facilitating one. And we're going to bring one here. Uh, so stay tuned. We are going to bring a community grief ritual here to Ann Arbor. But my, my point is the, my teacher Z, um, through the lineage of Sabon Fusome and the Dagara tribe, we um, really honoring and what I learned from this was when we grieve, we're offering a gift to the ancestors 
that is our grief. And the, what they offer back is strength and resilience. And when we grieve in community, when we grieve in connection with other humans, it becomes and opens up a personal quality. It's about only our individual suffering or grieving or our individual processing, which is also important. But when we do that together, there's so much that can be lifted. And we don't let ourselves grieve in connection with other humans and in community in our society. Grieving gets looked at as something bad to hurry up through. Grieving becomes, oh, I'm sorry you're crying. Stop crying. How can I make you feel better? Right? We try to soothe with a thing on top or placate or distract or, oh, you shouldn't really feel this thing about death or this other thing about the ecological nightmare that, that may be happening, you know, the environmental deaths. Like there's, uh, there's all sorts of things that we may want to grieve for. And we get told that, oh, don't do that, right? Push that aside, distract from it and wait, or, oh, it'll be better soon or whatever story. But the grieving, the actual process of feeling is opening the body. And it's, again, we're, we're, we're acquiring strength and resilience from our ancestors. So what happens over time, what I'm experiencing is the physical body, our subtle bodies and our physical body really start to build a resilience, a capacity to move the bigness of that energy through our being. Big energy needs clear intention and clear ground. Thank you, Z, for those words of wisdom. And what we do is as we're opening our bodies to moving big energy, again, this is where sexuality links back in. How is grieving different than eros and sexual power? When we're in a place of ah, opening our body to mm, pulse the bigness of grief through our body, how is that different than pulsing the orgasmic ecstatic pleasure? We're building a physical and subtle body resilience to, for our bodies to be a vessel to move the bigness so that when we're dancing in the shadow, in the dark, shadowy depths, in the place of the unseen, that that is building and opening our capacity to, to let go of the old dross, to let go and clear the way for energy, big energy to move and open to our ecstatic, energetic, orgasmic bliss. And that, that they are so intertwined and interconnected. But doing that in community, letting ourselves feel the connection and the support and the resourcing of fellow beings that are in it with us, it opens up a gate. My experience with these community rituals is it opens, we're grieving as a village, we're coming together and supporting this bigness to move through us collectively. So we don't have to do it all ourselves. If, we, if we're not feeling that same resourcing, others are, right? And we get, we get move it through each other. One way to look at it. But it's like this, the bigness of what gets created, this vortex of possibility holds powerful shift potential at a collective level in addition to the individual healing that it offers. So it, it heals the group, the community, the village, it, it, this is, it's a part of healing the whiteness, healing this colonialization kind of 
um, embodied racial trauma that shows up in different bodies in different ways. It's all connected. So that brings us full circle of how embodied racial trauma impacts our sexuality, how we can work with our ancestors for healing, how we can now in this time of the thinning of the veils reach out and make that connection to remember who we are, call in those well and kind and resourced and vibrant, and do the work, whether that involves grieving and other work of listening to the body to open as a vessel to move this energy and to be alive, be our own vessel for our soul purpose. Make room in here so that the work we are meant to do can move through us. We can open to be that channel to be of deep service. It, it, we've got to clear out some of the things to make way for how big and amazing and beautiful we are because we all are a powerful being that deserves to be right here in your body doing your work. And your work is different than anyone else's. And the way you are of service is unique and wonderful and important and needed. And with that, we're taking a short break and we'll be back. Thank you for joining us today. You are listening live to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. Leslie Blackburn has a detailed website where you can find radio podcasts, videocasts, and more free resources at leslieblackburn.com. The website is mobile-friendly and also has the full class and event schedule, information on private sessions, mailing list sign-up, and much more, again, at leslieblackburn.com. Leslie offers private sessions and has helped many hundreds of individuals and couples over years on their path of sacred sexuality. Sessions are available in person in her brand new temple space in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And private sessions are also available by Zoom, Skype, or phone from anywhere on the planet. See details on the website under Classes and Coaching. There are also options for home study practices. Sacred sexuality classes on four new topics are now available by video. You can purchase access to these at the website. And the Tantric Energy Touch website, uh, Tantric Energy Touch workshop is available as an audio CD. Order online at the website. The best way to get announcements about upcoming events, as well as inspirational stories, videos, and radio show archives, is to subscribe to the email newsletter by clicking on the link on the website, leslieblackburn.com. And a reminder that Leslie is available for speaking engagements. More information at the website. Also, if you like what you heard today and want more, there's now a whole new way to support Leslie in bringing these sacred sexual teachings into the world and get amazing rewards for it, including sneak peeks of her new book, which is currently underway. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Leslie Blackburn. See all the details there. Again, at patreon.com slash Leslie Blackburn. And now, back to your host, Leslie Blackburn. Hmm. Thank you, my love, and thank you all for tuning in, for being a part of this today. And I invite you now to 
Invite an inhale and exhale with a little sound. <sighs> Once again, feel your body. Feel your roots. Notice what rose up for you. If there's a new aha moment or something that's resting with some aliveness, have it carry with you to be an inquiry, to be an invitation, a little seed to plant, to rest with. And let whatever you've carried, whatever you're noticing that you want to carry with you, a sense of, yeah, I choose, I choose to open a new relationship with my ancestors. I'm going to commit to doing that. And let that drop into, as a little seed, feel it kind of form into a little jewel and drop right down into your pelvic bowl. Literally see the way you may, you may make that connection back in your space. Visualize yourself standing in your yard with bare feet on the ground and gazing at the moon as you notice and call in your ancestors and ask for their support. And remember, you can call in specifically those well and kind, vibrant and resourced to support you in the inner circle and to protect and guide and also to support the healing then in your bloodline lineages. And then with the breath of gratitude for yourself, for your body. Ooh, thank you, thank you, sacred body. So glad to be here in one. And for your guides and ancestors. With deep gratitude. Ah, namaste. Thank you for joining us today for Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. If you'd like to contact Leslie, please visit her website, leslieblackburn.com. Leslie is available for private sessions, and you can find more information about this at the website. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and have a beautiful day. Join us again next time for continued support on your path of self-realization. The power is within you to heal your body, connect deeply with others, manifest your heart's desires, and experience your deepest bliss. By our healing, we impact others, inspiring love for humanity and the planet. Thank you for joining us for Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn.